Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to remind you that the show is also available on YouTube. And starting from episode number 101, it's all in 4K. I'm trying to make the best video podcast I can, so definitely check it out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Go to youtube.com slash at progressionspod or hit the link in the show notes. If you're not getting enough progressions and you want to get even more thoughts on creativity, productivity, and growth in music, then you should sign up for my newsletter. You'll find a brief article in each monthly edition as well as updates on progressions and myself. I'm also sharing some workflow hacks and links to stuff that I found interesting or helpful. So it should be fun. If you want to stay up to date on the latest and get all the bonus stuff, go to travisferrance.com slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome to Progression, success in the music industry. I'm your host, Travis Ferentz, and this is episode number 46. We've got a really great and super insightful interview with an industry veteran for you today. But first, I wanted to talk about the importance of getting over the hurdle of doing something for the first time and how that can spur growth. Think about all the things in your life that you were afraid of until you did them. When you were a kid, stuff like jumping off the high dive for the first time or maybe being left at summer camp for the first time may have seemed frightening until you did them. And then you were right back in line, ready for more. See, every time we do something we're afraid of, we learn more about our limits and how far we can push ourselves. And most importantly, we learn that generally our fears are irrational and based around our mind's tendency to keep us comfortable. Because comfortable is safe. And safe is the key for the primitive parts of our brain that still think we live in caves and have to avoid saber-toothed tigers. Now, Of course, there is a level of being safe that we all need, but even then, people have the ability to stretch their limits beyond the imaginable. Take Alex Honnold, the climber from the documentary Free Solo. This guy has total mastery over his fear. If he even has any at all, he may not. He's absolutely nuts. He'll basically climb anything without a rope. He's done it so much, it's like second nature. By the way, if you haven't seen that doc, check it out. It's so well shot and an absolutely wild story. But to get back on track, The first time you do something new or take on a challenge is always the hardest that thing will ever be. And every time you do it again, you learn more and it gets easier. Think about this in the perspective of your career. You played your first open mic. You were probably nervous, but you did it again and again. Then you did it at a bigger and bigger venue. Then maybe you did it in other cities or states or maybe even countries. Or if you're a producer or a songwriter, Think about how scared of failure you may have been when you walked into your first co-write. Now think about how you feel when you go into a session today. Or maybe you haven't done any of those things. Maybe you're just starting out. Or maybe you've done all of those things, but there's some other aspect of the industry that you want to explore. You're the ones I'm really speaking to here. The hardest part about what you want to do is doing it the first time. I've done a lot of things for the first time. and Thankfully, I've been able to do most of them again, not all of them. But it's totally human to have a fear about doing something for the first time, particularly when it revolves around art. Because with art, you're putting a piece of yourself out there on display for the world to see. Now you have to remember, every time you release a song, you'll feel more comfortable about the next one. You'll learn what your audience likes. It gives you the opportunity to grow and to develop. If you never take that first step and release that first song, then you'll never take your career to the next level. My guest from episode 20, Ian Dowling, made a comment about art not being real until it's in the world. It's so true. Until people experience your art, it's just an idea or a thought. 
People create art to stir emotions, right? Well, if nobody hears it or sees it or reads it, how can that happen? Now, obviously, I'm using the term art very liberally here. And all of you are music industry people, so clearly we're talking about music. But remember that your mix or your sound design and aesthetic as a producer, that's art too. Sure, you're serving the song, or you're supposed to be, but you still have a sound. Whether you know it or not, whether you mean to or not, you're still a creative. Your art form is just a bit more analytical. You're still putting it out there for people. So what I'm getting at is a career without leaning into the fear of doing the first is not a career at all. It's just a hobby or an interest. If there is something you want to be doing in your life that requires a first, then you have to take that risk. There shouldn't be any fear in releasing your first song, signing up for your first open mic, doing your first Twitch stream, or submitting your first demo. And if you've been doing this for a while, you might be wanting to make a shift. Maybe you want to make a plug-in, or get into production, or work in a new place. You have to take that first step. Get the fear out of your head, because it's your own stupid fear. It's likely only the fear of failure. And failure is just an opportunity to learn. I can't even tell you all the times I've failed. I've tried to branch out into so many different parts of this business, and I've learned and grown from all of those experiences despite their varying degrees of success and failure. I'm able to help the people that I work with because of all the stuff I've learned from my failures. There's a reason that people have commented that they're surprised I know so much about different parts of the business. That's because I've failed in all those parts of this business. It's just that simple. And I hate to use myself as an example, but in this case, I'm your living proof that people can fail and nothing bad happens. So what are you waiting for? If you're putting off doing something because you're afraid of doing it for the first time, you're crazy. Just go do it. And remember, your career is the collective of all your experiences, all of your wins, and all of your losses. And if you aren't taking the first steps, then you just aren't going anywhere at all. Today's guest is music executive and songwriter Shelby Kennedy. Currently, Shelby is the president of North American Operations for Amazing, which is the parent company for Amazing Radio, Amazing Songs, and now CMJ. Prior to that, he has held various positions throughout the industry, including director of A&R for Disney's Lyric Street Records, artist and partner relations for TuneCore, as well as roles at both ASCAP and BMI. He's also served on the boards for the Nashville Songwriters Association, Belmont University's Music Business School, and the Recording Academy. And along with all of that, early in his career, Shelby had success as a songwriter, with songs being cut by artists like Ray Charles and Reba McIntyre. So welcome to the show, Shelby Kennedy. Hey, how are you? Man, I'm doing great, Travis. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I think your audience is the same audience I, I would like to speak to all the time. So thank you for us sharing the group today. It's great. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Uh, mm. Thanks for checking the show out. I, I agree completely. When I, I looked at your history and everything that you've done, I was like, Shelby knows stuff that people need to hear. <laughs> well, you, well, you do too. You know, everybody's got their own path and we all have different experiences. And I don't think they're all for ourselves to just hoard the experience. I think we're supposed to share. We're supposed to shed some light for each other's path. For you know? sure. For sure. It's like, uh, you know, everybody getting better for the common good is the way, especially for creatives. We all just need to support each other. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But I thank you for joining us. I know that you're busy. Anybody with president in their title is usually super busy. But um, right now, it sounds like Amazing Radio US launch is probably like, that's probably your focus and your big thing. How, how's that going? It's going really good. It's exciting because, again, from the creative space, creatives need tools. They need solutions. And amazing, they've been, they've been in business over in the UK 
you know, their first broadcast was like in 09. So they've done very well in the UK and they decided to build it out in the US. So to bring that effort here to the US creates a lot of opportunity for artists to be discovered and actually artists even over the pond. You know, it goes both ways. We're in a global marketplace. And uh, anytime we can find a solution, you know, to help the creatives reach their destiny, let's do it. And Amazing presented that opportunity to me and some colleagues here in the U.S. We're excited to do that. That's very cool. And so my timeframes might be a little bit off, but it launched in April or? Well, February, the staff, as far as U.S. came in in February, but it was last year that the stream started happening for the U.S. Got it. Yeah, these shows, a lot's produced in the U.K., so that's where the headquarters is. Uh, Okay. So the ears were here. Maybe not the access that they have now was in place, and and now we have that for everybody. It's good. That's awesome. So there's, there's new shows for the U.S. There's presenters. There's hosts. And you can listen to either channel. You know, you can listen to the U.K. station. You can listen to the U.S. station. There's different presenters on each station. Those presenters, they champion the artist they are drawn to or take a liking to or the music that they discovered. And this that's kind of the old school part that I miss. I mean, throughout music history, you know, when we think back, people introduce artists to us. You know, it, it wasn't always for us to go find out the rock that they're under. And there are a lot of rocks out there, but hey, if we can turn them over... That's what we're in the business of doing right now. And there's a lot of talent out there that deserves discovery. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually, I had a question about that that I was going to bring up later, but I'll go for it now. I feel like there's been such a huge increase of discoverability for independent artists through like streaming, the online radio platforms, stuff like Amazing. But I think it makes for an interesting musical landscape because despite the increased competition, I think that there's increased opportunity. What do you think? Do you think the, what's the future hold for independent artists? No, that's a great question. And and for the creatives, I think everybody, the first statement they probably need to confess, you know, is unique deserves unique. Mm. And a lot of times I think we have a lot of the platforms out there, they're, they're all good. But if doing the same thing and if the artist has to drag their audience to their trench, is it really doing everything that it could do? So I'm just saying... There's a lot of opportunities, but you're going to have to be creative in, you know, the approach that the audience can take. Don't just assume because you're there, they're going to find you. I mean, in the old days when there was distribution into big box stores, hey, where, where's your product? Oh, I'm, I'm in Walmarts everywhere. And it's like, well, that's, <laughs> that's good, but that's a trench everywhere. You know, it, it needed to be more focused there had to be a better approach for the audience. And again, the marketing plans, if you will, look, I'm going to share my two cents with you. The dollar's <laughs> worth, Travis, but my two cents is that I've seen a lot of marketing plans just be a name erased and replaced at the top of it. This is the this is what we do. And artist number two, this is the same thing we do. And artist number three, this is the same thing we do. Those days need to be gone. It needs to be unique approaches because unique deserves unique. I I agree. I agree. Well, you look at, you know, anybody that does something unique and they they become a breakthrough artist. Like, I'm a big pop person, so I think of, like, the Lady Gaga's super distinct sound. 
or Billie Eilish's like really aggressive, uh, you know, launch campaign, those become like just the template for the next thing, you know? And I just, I, I, I hate that artists get stuck in that cycle of it worked for them. So I'm going to do that. It's probably not going to work for you. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's like the blueprint mentality. I think yes. that I believe that we should be drawing blueprints, not reading them. Yeah. And that seems to be the trap in history was the same blueprint over and over again, just maybe a different material, but it's the same thing at the end of the day, they built the same thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And look, I know you're a creative too. So we're speaking to each other and I think your audience are creatives as well. So I think they probably understand what we're saying. Oh yeah. 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 They've got to draw a blueprint. Don't look for one to read. That's already there. Yeah. That is, what I, I try to preach on the show to people to just find your own path because it's going to be more fulfilling. And, you know, you're going to be as successful as you're going to be. Maybe you're going to be the biggest artist in the world. Maybe you're going to have a living and raise your family. But you got to be happy and feel like you're doing what you love, you know? Yes, so. absolutely. And, and doesn't it make you feel good to know that the creatives are built to see what isn't or what's missing? It's like writing a song. You, didn't, yeah. you know, the first question you have to answer before you decide you want to write a song the first question is, have I ever heard that before? Has anybody written that? Or has anybody written that like that? It's like, and until you can say it hasn't been or you've never heard that, that's when you decide to go. It's like we launch when the target is not there. Now, just think about that for a second. It's like we go when there's not a target. You know, there's, there's two animals in the industry. There's the animal that sees what is. And there's the animal that sees what isn't. And I think labels in history have, have been full of these animals. You need both. So I'm not really negative on one or the other, but the animal that sees what is will look in the marketplace, see the frenzy. Hey, everybody's buying this. Let's tap that market that's obvious. There's buyers and there's the frenzy. Let's go right there and get our piece of that pie. And then there's the other animal that sees what isn't. We look in the marketplace and the first thing we see is where there isn't a frenzy, but you know what? Right next to that frenzy, there's this void. It's like we see voids. And, and I would say, as far as the industry, it always flows to its void, always. Where it's missing is where we're going. Now, there may be a lot of aspirin people have to take on the way because people want to <laughs> stay where they're at. But the truth is, Travis, we're going to the void. And so we are out to discover. That's really what this whole industry, it's been from day one, is, is about discovery, not creation. I know that sounds weird. I don't think we can create that act. I think we discover that act. Now, we need to support that act, nurture that act, do everything. They deserve the great songs. They deserve the great tracks. They deserve everything about them. Unique deserves unique. <laughs> Here yeah. we go again. <laughs> Is it, but, but we're going to the void. And I think that's, that's comforting to the creative because we're wired to see what's missing. And I think that's a great business skill to have in this industry. Oh, yeah. To, to see what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Go, that, that's, honestly, that's one of the, the favorite things that I've heard on, on my own show is, is, is that we're going to the void because I think that like really defines what a lot of people are doing, but they don't have a sentence that describes it. If you're cutting edge, whether it's 
because of your mixing or your production or your songwriting. Like that's what you're doing is you're trying to find that void. But I, I, I hope everybody goes back and, and listens to that again because that's, that's, that's a good one. We should probably call it. We should, we'll just wrap there. I'm just kidding. Well, you know, well hey, it's, it's almost like going into the restaurant and telling that award-winning chef the ingredients that should be in what they're preparing. So if you don't do that because you're basing it on what you've had before and this person in the kitchen can give you what you've never had. Yeah. You know? So let yeah. them do what they do and let's see how it tastes. Yeah, you know? that's great. So, so if we can get everybody up to bat, we're just in the seats to discover. And that's actually what the audience wants to do. They want to discover. Sorry, I'm getting on a roll now, Travis. Why <laughs> do you pick up your remote control and watch TV? You watch a channel and then you click the next channel and you, you watch the next channel. You're sitting there and you are surfing with your remote control. And at the end of maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, you have watched nothing but you were thoroughly entertained for that 30 minutes or now going from window to window to window to window. So the audience is out to discover that's entertainment. It's not capturing. It's like the search and the experience. It's, it's a little different when I was young, you know, we like to possess that record and I still do, you know, it's like, I love that record. I love to have it again for me. I, I do a lot of, analogies to fishing or whatever it's like you know I, I can fish and not catch anything and enjoy fishing if i catch a fish it's awesome what do i do with the fish after i catch it i throw it back then what do i do and i go back to fishing because <laughs> i like the ing part of it. i like me being active in the process so so when it comes to music i love listening you know yeah uh, searching so so it's it's all that but yeah, the audience is there to discover. And I, I don't think that everything is to be created and manipulated. I think everything deserves its heel to see if it shines or not, you know? Yeah. And I, that's, that's the thing I love about Amazing, seriously. We're giving everybody this opportunity to step up to the plate, you know, and, um, and people can discover them. And it's wonderful. Yeah, I saw, I was, I was clicking around the site earlier this morning and it looks like artists have the ability to to have their music for sale, right? So if you hear the song and you love that artist, you can go and then support that artist immediately. Is that how it works? Absolutely. And we're we're out of the way as far as amazing. We're out of the way. And that purchase goes, you know, straight from that artist to that consumer or fan that buys. We don't take a penny. That's so very cool. People can yeah, they can download it if the artist wants to make it available to sell, they can. They could give it away if they want to. And then, you know, the other thing that's cool about Amazing right now is the artist page has a donate button because people, they love the artist, not always the track. I know that sounds weird, but it's, that's, that's a whole other discussion. It's probably another show too, Travis. (laughs) It's like for, for, I think people buy the artists. That's what they buy, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, who, you know, because you're a music aficionado, you knew somebody's record you were going to have as soon as it came out without hearing it. That's right. Just because you know who that is or what that is and what that's going to be about, how it was recorded, whatever turned you on. So the donate button is a real thing because people love the artist and that that's, that's who they're into. You know, yeah. look, the tracks, they're the attention getters. 
It's all like that. Those music, those a song, a track. It's all important. It needs to be as unique and as great as the artist is. But people are buying the artist. Just don't compromise them with cheap song, cheap track. Cheap, you know, something that's not as good as they are. But I think it starts with the artists more, and that's from me turning into an older guy. It's like I'm seeing it long enough to know that it's really about the artist. And that's what people buy. That's true. You know, I'd be curious to know your opinion on this because I suffer from this. And I think so many people suffer from this. And in the today's world of playlists, I obviously, I, I grew up with CDs where you would, like I said, go at midnight on Monday and buy the record because you love mm -hmm. that artist. Mm -hmm. But now there's this thing that I think a lot of artists get caught up in. And it's the passive listening of the playlist where... I feel bad and I do it. I go to Spotify. I put on the playlist that I really love. I listen to the first 50 songs while I do my morning routine or go for my jog. I can't tell you who those artists are. And I very rarely save those songs. And I'm an awful person. And I'm going to admit that <laughs> I feel bad that I do this. But this is how the world is. And I can see where Amazing can kind of fit in there and change that. But what's your opinion on this passive listening? Like, I'm going to call it a problem because for an independent artist, it is a problem. It, it is. I'm going to go back with analogies again. Forgive me. I'm back in the kitchen and I'm thinking of this. Look, the right now, my generation, if you will, if I can step back a few more years than you, obviously, <laughs> we bought records like they were entrees. I'm still eating on Fleetwood Mac Rumors cheeseburger or, you know, the, uh, you know, Hotel California cheeseburger. I'm, I mean, I love these things. I listen and listen and listen. Yeah. But the consumer, the fan, the person that you're talking about, you know what? They're into hors d'oeuvres. They're not in entrees. So they're consuming as much food as we ever did. They're consuming just as much food, but it's hors d'oeuvres. It's not entrees. Yeah. So at some point, and this is the challenge, I don't really think it's a problem. I actually kind of like this, but at some point, the hors d'oeuvres have to be so good. Somebody's saying, who is the chef? Yeah. You know? But if all you're going to have is one hors d'oeuvre and you think you're going to win somebody's respect for you as a chef because you have an hors d'oeuvre they like, I think you got to do more than that. I don't think it's about an hors d'oeuvre. I think it's about a lot of hors d'oeuvres. I think it's about them finding out more about you as an artist. I think that that's the stuff like the social media world. You know, it's like, look, that's direct marketing. We never had that at the label when I worked at a label. We wished we could have done direct marketing. Yeah. But there's every opportunity for the audience to engage. And if the artist doesn't have that, it, it's one of two things. Either the artist, forgive me for saying it, they may not deserve so much engagement. They may not be that unique or they could be that. And then the other thing is, is they may be unbelievable, but thinking, you know what? People figure out how great they are on their own. And I don't... Yeah. No, I think it's got to be more than an hors d'oeuvre. So I'm, I'm with you. It's like, the thing I like about Amazing, yeah, we have presenters, they're introducing the artist. They're mentioning the name. People find out about them. That's good. That's a boost. That should have been going on for years. It hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with radio, the, you know, they wouldn't do front back announcing and stuff. But so, so we are doing that. But still realize that the audience is going track by track, hors d'oeuvre by hors d'oeuvre. And at some point, the chef has to get their attention through those hors d'oeuvres, that's plural, you know, 
to figure out who they are and how cool they are. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I look at it. I kind of like it because unique will emerge, but unique that is committed should really emerge. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that don't want to do the work. They don't want to, they don't want to do, uh, you know, how, look, you've been in the studio. I know you know this. It kills you when you see such talent missing the work ethic. It breaks yeah. your heart because yeah. you're like, man, people would die to know more about them, but they're not putting themselves fully out there. And that's, yeah. it's hard to coach that or teach that. I do see a lot of artists that are independent. They are doing it on their own. And, and I love that. Because again, if they're doing it on their own, I guarantee you they're doing it on their own uniquely because they don't have a blueprint or, you know, a marketing plan to erase the name and replace it, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of working itself out for me and my taste. I, I love independent artists. I love things that are not like the others. So it's kind of working itself out. But you are speaking of a real problem because you're right. People, they may not be paying attention but you know what? When the food is unbelievable, you start to go back to that place again. You do. You do. If you're enjoying this episode, then please consider pulling your phone out, tapping that share button, and sending this to one person that you think would enjoy it. Obviously, it would be huge for me, but it could be even more game-changing for that person. You just never know what can inspire or help someone else out. I want to take a second to tell you about Secret Sonics, a podcast by Ben Wallach and Carl Bonner. Secret Sonics is one of my favorite shows, and it's now double amazing with the addition of Carl Bonner as a co-host. Ben and Carl have teamed up to discuss the real-world trials and triumphs of music production. They cover it all from mixing and studio tricks to branding and mindsets. If you're a fan of progressions, you'll be a fan of Secret Sonics. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or hit the link in the show notes. Oh, it's a tough one. I feel for the... I don't release music myself, uh, but I feel for people that are creating because you, ne you need to have two things. Like you said, it needs to be unique and it has to be your best foot forward at all times. You have to be the best chef. We'll mm -hmm. keep the kitchen analogy going. Um, but at the same time, it needs to be constant. There needs to be new music all the time. So you always have to be creating it at a super high bar. And I, I, I mean, it's, that's stressful for people for sure. But let me put a positive spin on that. Because when people do full albums, this, this almost happens every time. Somebody gets their album done. And right after they finish their album, the next song they write is unbelievable. And it's like, guess what? going to have to wait until the next album because this one is done. It's out. You know, we got to get through the cycle of this album and they're sitting on an unbelievable track. I've got, I mean, I know of some, some examples, but in the country world, Alan Jackson, he did his first album for Arista. It was great here in the real world. He was, here's that first album at his album release party for his first album. He plays a song that's not on the album, but it was a song called don't rock the jukebox. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is like, well, it had to be the title of his next album. But <laughs> they had to sit there for how many, how long, just knowing eventually we're going to get to this. I mean, thank goodness he broke before they got there. But with albums, that's the that's the trap. Now, in today's world where it's track by track or EP, the best music is next. That's that's it. So yeah. if, if you're sitting there with your four or five, you're ready to record, you know, or you're in, and, and, and then you, that sixth one is like, oh my gosh, look at that. Okay. We'll put out next. That's the positive spin on this whole thing. We're in such a place where an artist can best foot forward is easier than ever before. 
That's true. Best music is next. They've got their social media for marketing. They can engage. They've got all the tools. So, I mean, I, I, I see it as a positive, you know. No, I, I, I like that. I like, I like your spin on everything. It's good. I'm, I'm, feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling awesome. Uh, can, we, uh, can we go back to your roots a little bit? Sure. Yeah. My understanding is, is you came from a super musical family. So was getting into music, was that the no-brainer career for you? It, it was. And you know what's funny? Even then, it's almost accidental. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like in my family, me and my brothers, we were sports guys here in, in Tennessee. And we were at a football school. One of my brothers played for Ole Miss football. And, and um, I actually, as soon as I graduated high school, we were ranked in the, in the nation. USA Today had us ranked as a football school. Well, my coach had exited and the coach asked me if I would coach that position as I'm going into my freshman year of college. And my plan was go to college local. I worked out to be Belmont because it's local here in Nashville. And uh, I just would coach. So I did that for two years. My plan was to go back, be full-time teacher coach. But when I had to get some internship credit, I went and worked at this publishing company, a, a publisher, Al Gallico. He's in the world of music. He's an iconic publisher, but Billy Sherrill, the producer that produced all of George Jones, Tammy, Charlie Rich, uh, he ran CBS Records. He, he had, the, I think, the most BMI songwriter awards of anybody, like 84 or something like that. It's crazy. Wow. But I went to work there as an intern. And then it's like, Hey, is it song plugin? Okay. There's some song plugin. Okay. Tape room. Yeah. Tape room. Just kind of like just being around. Okay. I'm writing. Cause I enjoy, that's like working crossword puzzles. Maybe I enjoy writing. So I do that. And, and then I started singing backgrounds on demos um, for people that needed harmonies. That was easy for me to do. And, and all of a sudden in this short span of time, I'm kind of getting up to speed with, I, I never wrote anywhere. I never was a signed writer. Still not. Never. So I just, you know, wrote, enjoyed it. And look, the blessings came unexpectedly, but awesome. But I would write and people needed harmonies. I would sing on demos and then those turned into masters. And you know how it is. You <laughs> you do stuff and then all of a sudden you have a portfolio everybody else is looking at. And that's how you get your work. You know, it's like I was doing this stuff for free and then people all of a sudden want to pay you, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, my path was a couple of publishing companies. And then after the second publishing company, I jumped into ASCAP and I did 10 years there as an executive, just a director of membership. And, and when I got there, I was kind of drawn to work with the artist because I know we left out a lot of my childhood, but growing up around artists and it's kind of a natural thing to see the artist development and just, you know, you kind of get a good vision for where artists are and maybe what they could be doing. So anyways, I, I worked with, well, that Alan Jackson I was telling you about, I actually played him first that got his deal, you know, when I was at ASCAP. And so there's a lot of the artist writer attraction and, and business relationship with publishers. And, and then from there it was Lyric Street, you know, after I did ASCAP, I went to be director of A&R and I brought in a group called Shadaisy. We signed Rascal Flats. And then, and there's a good example of something that's not in the market, something that was missing. Rascal yeah. Flats, at the time, there was a great writer that came and saw me and said, Shelby, you know, they're not country. I said, yet. You know, it's like, it's missing, but it it could fit, you know. But anyways, all, all that, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting off track. You want to go back to the, 
you know, the childhood, how it all began. I grew up in a musical <laughs> household. My father, I'm blessed. My father, Jerry Kennedy, and he's still around to tell some stories. He never, he was always humble. He never told too much, but he's the guitar on Pretty Woman. He's oh, nice. the on a song, Harper Valley PTA. He was like an A-team player. Then he became a producer, and then he produced all the Roger Miller, Tom T. Hall, Stadler Brothers, Reba's first, I guess, maybe five or six albums, something like that. He gave her her deal at Mercury in the beginning. Oh, wow. And then, um, but there was a, a lot of other, He so he produced a lot of stuff. He played on Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde album. I had to find that out from somebody else. <laughs> there, was this, there was this writer, Wood Newton. He comes to me at the Bluebird Cafe. You may have heard of it one night. Yeah. He, he said, Shelby, I'm reading this book. He goes, I, I didn't know your dad played on Bob Dylan's stuff. I'm like, I don't think he didn't play on Bob Dylan. So he goes, no, no, it's in his book. And I was like, really? I, so I, I called dad later. I'm like, dad, question. Did, did you play on blonde on blonde? And he, he's like, <laughs> he said, yeah. I'm like, anything else you want to tell me? I'm like, good night. Like, so I'm finding out stuff about him every day. Right. <laughs> so, so anyways, he ran Mercury records here. So I got to be, in the studio, learn the etiquette of being quiet on the couch in the control room, but it was cool. What a front row seat. That was a blessing, right? Yeah. He produced the Jerry Lee Lewis country stuff too. And he's, there's a lot of good stuff. And then I got two brothers. Uh, I'm the youngest of three, so I'm the scraps in my family. But three <laughs> years older than me is Gordon Kennedy. Gordon wrote Change the World. Derek Clapton, you know, Grammy oh, yeah. song. Of the year, so oh, he, yeah. He wrote that and he did some work. Me and another guy hooked him up with Peter Frampton later and, and Gordon, that's my brother. And he co-produced, I think the instrumental album, Peter had won a Grammy for, um, I think it was called fingerprints or something like that. And then I've got another brother in the middle, a year and a half older than me. So we're packed me to the oldest is three, me to the middle brother. It's a year and a half. And he wrote a bunch of Garth Brooks hits, American Honky Tonk Bar Association, Beaches of Cheyenne, Good Ride Cowboy. And so they, they were writers and I was always in the writing space, but I'm that right brain, left brain kind of thing. And it's funny how we're all different. I don't know if you have siblings, Travis, do you have siblings? It's or? just me. Just me. Congratulations. No, it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> no it, it's funny because when you, you're trying to establish your identity and even when it came to musical taste, the oldest brother, he was into all the rock stuff. I can't be into that. That's my brother's. The middle brother, oh, it was like really, really country. You know, well, I can't, that's what it, oh, it was R&B and urban for me. You know, it was like, that's the <laughs> stuff that I loved growing up. But we just, we were this potpourri of musical influences. We're all three unique, which is, that's a blessing. And I, I thank my parents for that because we all got to grow literally in our own directions. And um, it's, it's been, I've got a son that is an amazing guitar player and, He's he's got an album he already put out too. Gavin Kennedy is his name. It's progressive rock. It's nothing I would have even messed with or any. <laughs> he's a freak of a guitar player, so he kind of. I think the guitar playing skipped me, went straight to him for my father. But um, anyways, it's it's a musical family, and you can imagine though that that you know when you have a close front row seat like that, and I'm telling you that's a blessing. That's I mean, I, I do nothing to deserve any of that at all. But just to be around that, I'm 
I think I'll have to answer to not sharing what I know with others because I think those experiences are for everybody that I know that can benefit from them. You know, whatever that vision or whatever that insight is. Yeah. I don't have it for me. I have it for everybody that I get to work with. And I love sharing it because there is, you know, you get, we're all opinion. If you're in the music industry, you're opinionated. That's true. That's you just true. are. You yeah. are, and you are because you're an engineer. You got to be. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, so, but but that's that's what makes it really cool is when people can share and respect that, you know. But if they don't share, that's that's a crime, you know. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. we need to have a bunch of different eyes and ears on things, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. You have such an amazing like upbringing and and all those influences. Like I can see where everything you've said so far on this podcast, I can see where it all comes from. It's, you know, it's like, it's great. I love it. You mentioned in there, you went through so many jobs. You mentioned ASCAP. I wanted to talk about your time at ASCAP and BMI, not specifically what you were doing, but more about PROs in general, Yeah, uh, performing rights organizations for any listener that is unfamiliar. My experience, whenever I am talking to like a recent college grad or like uh, somebody that loves the show and sends me a message, Publishing and PRO stuff just baffles people. Why has it been so complicated and why do musicians not really clamp down on it? I don't know if that's going to be the musician's fault. I mean, it really may even be through a PRO or the way that it kind of presents itself sometimes. It's funny, even when I was dealing with distribution, it's like artists, first of all, I I think this might be it, Travis. Artists don't realize everybody that they are. And I say, hear that again, everybody that they are. Because here's the deal. Most of them, they're wearing a writer hat, an artist hat, a producer hat, a publisher hat. They're kind of like wearing these four hats. They don't even know. They got one head and they think they're wearing one hat. But really, there's four, almost always, for these independent Artists, when they're going, they're a writer, they're a publisher. Yes, they're an art. They know the artist hat, but they're also maybe you know the producer or or the label. I mean, that's the other one. Really, I'm sorry. It's really like writer, artist, producer, publisher, label. So so they're sitting there with all these hats, and people don't tell them about that writer and publisher hat they're wearing. They they think it's all artist. It's just that's the artist hat. No, no. There's more slices of this pie to try to understand, you know. So I don't think it's the artist's fault. It it might be the industry's fault that we really haven't educated all the hats that they are wearing, everybody that they truly are. When they're standing by themselves, they're at least four people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Artist, label, writer, publisher, those four, sure. And they may be a producer, but that's... That's another discussion. We've talked about sound exchange, but um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole other podcast too. It is, but it's, but it's those four hats they have to realize they're writer, publisher, artist, label. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get to the PRO is two of those hats, you know, it's the writer and the publisher and it's foreign to everybody to try to understand what does that mean? And then hopefully they can get, around somebody that can give them a quick education. It's, it's, it's not that difficult. Now, if no. you want to talk about formulas and how it pays out, oh my gosh, you don't want to go there. I, <laughs> I mean, the way they weight stations and how much they pay and license and that, that gets very, very complex. But the PRO is probably one of the biggest friends they could have. 
because Agreed. they are the network. I told people, like at both places, I felt like the map at the mall, you are here. And, you know, there's that big arrow, and everybody's in a different place where that big arrow is pointing. And I would ask, okay, where are you trying to go? And they they tend to look at the map and take what looks like the long hallway all the way around the mall to the place they want to go when really I'm sitting there thinking there's this shortcut right through this, you know, it's kind of like that. So the PRO can be everybody's map at the mall to help them wherever they're at to wherever they want to go. Does that make sense? (laughs) No, totally, totally. And I I totally agree with you. It's it's not complicated, but for some reason it seems daunting to people. And I just like I want to encourage people to just you know, ask somebody a couple questions or, or jump on the website and, and read it. It's super important if you're a creator and it's not that hard. It's just one of those daunting. It's like opening the book, like opening the, the, you know, school book is you don't want to do it because it's your school book. Just open it. It's, it's just words inside. Just read it. It's fine. You know? Yeah. Or, or you know what? I'd say go ahead and, and, you know, go ahead and get position there and then read. I mean, (laughs) It's like people are waiting too long to get comfortable and they're missing opportunities. It's like just you can you can figure all out. You can undo anything. And, and there's nothing I can tell you from being in two of them. They're, they're nothing scary about them. I mean, they're, they're there to help. Exactly. And those entities exist all around the world. The thing I'll say for our U.S. listeners, that in the U.S. you have more than one PRO here. You know, you've got ASCAP, BMI, CSEC. There's GMR as well. There's another one. But but you have multiple options here. You can only join one as a writer. As a publisher, you can join all of them. In the foreign territories, there's only one. You don't have choices if you're in, like, the UK, it's PRS, you know. So here in the U.S., writers can get more attention sometimes because there's competition to get that writer's attention and represent that writer. You got people that are vying for that writer's relationship. Yeah. In other territories, there's not a competitor. So meetings and networking may not be as easy, may not, but they need to work the PRO for sure. Work that angle. Yeah. Okay, great. Since we, you know, we covered some of your time with the, with the PROs, I also wanted to touch on not specifically TuneCore, but kind of what you've learned from your time at TuneCore and now your time at Amazing, when it goes to independent artists, I'm sure that you have seen so many people succeed and fail. Are there any common mistakes that you see an artist make or any tips that you think would move the needle for somebody that is still in their like grassroots era of of their career? You know, the one thing that's probably, and this is probably even see this right away, planning is important. Just planning not that the plans have to be a certain, you know, instruction document that they put together. But the thing is, people go and put things out and then they are saying, you know what I should have done? And it's like, you already let this out. And, you know, you need to plan before you release. There's some things, common mistakes, like with, uh, let's just take Spotify, for example. If people want to pitch for playlisting, They can do that right up until seven days before the release. If they do not make that window, that's it. If they put an album out, once it's been released, they can't pitch it for a playlist anymore through the Spotify for Artists portal. So if they put an album out, basically what they're finding out is they can only 
one track. And once the album's out, no more pitching. And that's another reason why the hors d'oeuvres, the track by track, you can pitch for more playlisting if you go track by track. So that would be planning. It might be like, what do people need to do? Really think on, is it single, is it EP or is it album? You know, yeah. like make, make that decision first and then realize what that does to everything else you're thinking you want to do. Social media, like, hey, if you go track by track, I can make the arguments for going track by track on just about everything. And a yeah. lot of it starts with the audience. That's how they ingest. So why do I want to cram something down their throat when they wanted an hors d'oeuvre at a time? So I think if you follow it that way, go to social media. Okay, I'm an artist. If I'm going track by track, I've got something to do in social media. Track by track, this is good. Put an album out. What am I going to say in two weeks? Hey, the album's still out. In social media, there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's kind of like everything makes sense to kind of think of going that direction. Now, that's just me. And again, that's a two cent opinion. I mean, it works good in our world of amazing radio, too, because you know what? People listen to tracks. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's what it is. But, anyways, I think for social media, there's a lot of stuff. People need to plan, really figure out what it does to everything else and, and have they messed up their timing for things because they didn't do planning. So the biggest, the biggest mistake is literally figuring out your plan. <laughs> it's simple, but that's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and you know, something that I think a lot of artists don't realize is that you need to be ahead. I mean, if your plan is to put a song out every month, you can't start writing and producing that song on the first of every month. I mean, you can, but you really should you should know where you're going. You should be a couple months ahead in your, in your adventure before you start Absolutely. that well, track by track adventure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, people that are doing that, they should be right in every chance that they get, because if they do that next, you know, the, the best music will be next. And they, they need to make sure that they're doing their part to make sure that menu is full and there's something really great coming off of it, you know, next yeah. release. So. And in, you're you're a songwriter yourself. You come from a family of songwriters. It's a muscle. You have to stretch that creative muscle and work it out. And you're only going to get better. Absolutely. And I can tell you too, because again, being in the business part, I, I've slacked off in writing, and that's that's not it's not a good thing. But when I do start to write, the the wheel is rusty yeah. for a couple of rotations, and then it kind of can get back up to speed. But you know. That's that's absolutely true. I think you have to stay, you know, stay after it, keep the craft fresh, you know. Yeah. Speaking of it, does your past as a music, as a song plugger and as a writer, does that come into play for you when you're making executive level decisions on a regular basis? Are you all you must be always song first, music first in your in your thought? You know what's funny? I mean, this is a great discussion, Travis. <laughs> well, in Nashville, like this is gonna sound blasphemous. But get ready for this. this okay. When it comes to song, I'm a songwriter, so I can say this. In Nashville, you will hear it a million times. They will say it all begins with a song. I was talking with my father, and I said, look, I appreciate that. I'm a songwriter. I want to beat my chest and go, hey, it's us, you know, to make this whole thing work. I said, but really, the older I get, I said, um, I got to be honest. It, 
if it all begins with a song, I said, it better end with a record. I never bought a song before in my life. I never will. I, I would buy a track, a feel, a record, a performance. It's like, and then I got older from that. And then I said, you know what? And then this is, I'm circling back to what we said earlier, Travis, but it really all begins with the artist. And, and I said, I think what happens in the industry that, that's kind of a mistake sometimes is we all think if we write that song, we can make that track. And if we can make that track, we're going to make that artist up on the stage. And that is so backwards. It is so backwards. Yeah. We got to discover the act, but the act deserves a great track that deserves a great song. So it kind of flows that way. We're still having to write the great song. We're still yeah. having to make the great track and record, you know, because that artist is all that. So we have to do it that way. But, but anyways, I, yeah, I am. Song is important. Record is important. But it's kind of like I can make great clothes, but if a body can't wear it, what good is it? What good is the? What good is that outfit if there's not a body that can wear that stunning outfit? Right. Yeah. But if like, but if we if we have the person there that we can put the clothes on and can, you know, it starts to, that's kind of like the artist in the room. It does help. Yeah. I mean, you know, because people can actually tailor make what really fits and hopefully they're great tailors, you know, to make that song really, really theirs. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered that question, but in business, I, I will say the creativity part, like our CEO, Paul Campbell at Amazing Radio, he's a drummer. He's a musician. It's a totally different skill set. I and I'm not saying it because I work for him. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that because to me, that's that creative vision at the horizon. I think creativity is how we survive. It is. So any any, any label, look, the labels in the beginning, they were all creative guys. They were all producers, or they were all that's I have a great respect for that. That's how they got built. So I think what you, your question, I'm kind of bringing it back around to, it's the creativity. It's, it's getting that right brain involved in the left brain of business in the yeah. music industry. I think it's a must. I think you have to use those skills. Because look, take music away from you and take music away from me. You know what we're doing in the business world if we're not in the music industry? We're marketing guys. We're marketing. Because you know what? We're going to try to figure out how to position something to where people notice it. Same thing we're doing with music, but it's just take music away and that's what we are. So it's it's right brain, left brain. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I think, and I mean no insult to anybody that I've, I've worked with, when you're interacting with, uh, with a label person or a publisher or anybody like that, and they come from music and they come from a creative angle, all the creatives in the studio it's definitely more relaxed and there's a, there's a different level of conversation. And it's not that if you don't come from being a musician that you're not bringing something to the table, but I think creatives are more comfortable with that because you speak their language as well. You know, you bring two things to the table. One being, I understand music. I understand creativity. I also have this other thing that can help you out. <laughs> My gosh, you, you know that better than anybody because you live in that space. What's funny, I'm thinking of producers here. I'll, look, I'll mention my father, but Billy Sherrill that I work for, those guys, they're introverts. If you see them in the studio, you would never 
ever make that statement <laughs> because there is no shell. It's like, and and you're you're right. I don't know why it is, but when the creatives or the music makers and the musicians and they all get in that that space together, it something happens in the chemistry. Let me throw something to while we're talking about the studio. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, students coming out of the the music school places, and here's something that's kind of interesting. They're excellent with the method. They're great. You know, if they're in the Pro Tools world, you know, or whatever, like whatever they're using, and they are excellent. They know how to comp a vocal. They can get it done. I mean, they're great. And to me, it's like they can paint that wood the prettiest red until it looks like the prettiest plastic ever. You lose the grain. And and my complaint or challenge, I think, that, that we have in today's newcomers into the industry is they're masters of the method, but they've never worked in the magic. And the magic, it has the mistakes, the limitations. Like I, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, look, you want to really understand what I'm trying to say. I, I told my son one day, I'm like, look, if you don't have a great guitar, you don't have a good amp, you don't have great pedals, you don't have great effects, you got to start jacking with this stuff and try to get some kind of sound out of it. I mean, you start doing some really weird, unorthodox things until you get something really funky, cool, and vibey, and you're good to go. But you know what's funny? You will not be able to replicate it yourself later, <laughs> much less anybody else. So what you just did was something that was extremely unique, and there's something magic about that because you can't get there again. Yeah. You know it. You're an engineer. You know it. Because you've done things probably that are unorthodox because you had limitations. So here's what I would tell a lot of independent artists or the limitations, those are the opportunities. Give somebody every tool in the world and you're probably not going to find something that special or unique. You won't. Give somebody a little bit and watch what happens. You know some of the best records, smallest budgets, coolest records ever. Not much money. Give a lot of money on the next album. Where where did it go? It's like it, it's not cool anymore, right? Um, yeah. So, anyways, just just something for everybody to realize that your limitations sometimes are your are your greatest assets. Seriously, I agree one hundred percent with all of that. Yeah, it's like, and you you've said you know unique so many times. It thinks it reminds me of a conversation I had with my wife. She'll she'll be listening to music and she'll play this for me. And she's like, What do you think of this singer? And you know, the singer's amazing. Like they're they're pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't necessarily ever want to hear it again. <laughs> you know, you're just like she she is extremely or he is extremely talented, but where's the passion? Where's the tonality? Where is the uniqueness? Are they talented? They are extremely talented. But there is it's that the thing that you've, the common thread of our conversation is that the artist has to have that unique aspect because everybody can be great at guitar. Everybody can be great at singing, but what separates one person from another person, and it's, it's their, their character, their tonality, their attitude, whatever it is, but there's something there that you can't put your finger on. And the good thing, knowing that you do what you do in the studio, because you recognize that, that's why you are successful at what you do. Because if you didn't recognize that, you would go right past all that. 
that is the magic. You go past it and you you don't stop till you get the method all nailed down. Hey, we this is perfect. We're good. And it's like you just went over the magic. Yeah. You get it. That's that, but that's why you will be successful as you understand what you just said. But you <laughs> you'd be amazed how many people don't get it. And and I hope that they can work around people that do so they can catch on and go, oh, that's what he or she's talking about. I get it. You know, it's like, I think that's up to us to try to relay or convey to some of the new people coming in. You know, it's like, I, I hope they don't have everything they want. You know, yeah. like, well, they'll end up doing something really cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's amazing. Per, you know, people strive for perfection, but I don't think that's the answer. You know, it's not. <laughs> Shelby, this has been so much fun. I've got two questions that I end the show with. Um, sure. So let me throw them at you. The first one: Was there ever a time in your career that you chose to redefine what success meant to you? And it's funny that I had a student, actually a Belmont student, one day came to my office. And, and that was the question at the end of the interview, like, how do you define success? And you're just like, Oh, really that question again, and <laughs> not to get real weird, but just there, there's a little spiritual side to me. So let me say that like this, but I, I told, I, I finally got it. I said, Hey, wait, and I'll give you the reason why I got it. But I told her, I said, you know what? God gave me a toolbox, gave you a toolbox, gave the next person a toolbox. I've got a hammer. You've got a jackhammer. They've got a sledgehammer. I said, we, we've all got different tools in our toolbox that we've been given. I've got different tools. I said, at some point, somebody needs a picture hung. I would suggest it's not time for your jackhammer or their sledgehammer. I actually have a <laughs> hammer and I can put the nail in the wall. It's knowing when to use that tool for the right job. I said, but here's what success is. When I open up my toolbox one day and look in, and see that I have picked up and used every tool that was in it, period. I don't know what I'm building, but I know I was given a tool to use. Why would I be given that? Like, I'm going to have to answer to that one day. Like, why didn't I pick up that saw? One day I'm going to complain. I have nothing to, I've got a hammer. I've got nothing to nail. You know why? Because I never picked up the saw. It's yeah. like people don't realize. And, and so here's, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I'm just saying that I may be building a, a birdhouse. Oh, no, it may be a, a dollhouse or a playhouse or a treehouse or a house or a building. I don't know. I just, I'm using my hammer. I'm using the saw. I'm using the tools that I got. So rewind. I'm back at Al Gallico Music, way back. I'm sitting in the office with Billy Sherrill, this iconic producer, writer, you know. And we're sitting there, and Billy, he, he looked at me and said, what do you think about what's bothering you? I said, well, I'm about to graduate college and I don't know what I want to do. He said, I still don't know what I want to do. I'm like, Billy, you're back in the studio producing records every day. He goes, yeah, well, don't forget, you know, I'm classical pianist and piano player. I'm like, okay, you're doing it. He goes, hey, don't forget. I'm writing these songs, all these BMOs. Okay. And he goes, hey, well, don't forget, you know, I'm a publisher. You're working here, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, hey, don't forget. I'm running CBS records right now too. You know, it's a, I'm like a, I'm just like, God, you jerk. Like what, you know, <laughs> but here's the deal. I realized what he was saying and I don't know if he realized it, but basically what that was is if you can do it, you must. Why in the world can you do the things that you do? Why would you neglect it? So to me, being accountable to the gifts we've been given, the tools we've been given, I, I'm going to go back to, you know what, if the hat, 
fits, wear it. You may have eight hats, more than that four. You may have 10. You know, I don't know. But it's like in this industry, the more hats that actually fit, oh, the more you can do, the more opportunities, the more you see, the more horizons, the more. So to me, this industry is not about doing one thing. If that's all you can do, then do it with all your might. That's that's might be a blessing. You only can do one thing. I don't know. But for me, it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's the writer, the publisher, the manager, the A&R guy, the exec, the uh, entertainment relations. And, the, you know, it's like all these different things. So those are my tools. I got to use them. So I don't know if that answers the question, but to me, defining success that was me about to graduate college. I'm talking with that guy. And at that point it was like, ding. Yeah. I don't think I meant to do one or two things. What if I, if he decided exactly what he wanted to do, there's a whole lot he wouldn't have. Yeah. That's amazing. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So, I, I'm not even going to add to that. That that's that I, I really enjoyed that. So that was perfect. Second question. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling Travis, I've been blessed. I'm telling you, I feel like I've lived in a myth, not, you know, it's like, it's a myth people. It could be cowboys and Indians to everybody. But to me, I, it was really there. And he really said that it just, it stuck with me. So thank you for letting me share stuff like that. No, thank, thank you for sharing. Uh, so the last question before we go is uh, what is your current biggest goal that you're able to share with us? And what is the next smallest step you're going to take to go towards that goal? Well, the, the, the big goal right now, and of course, we've mentioned amazing radio. And, and the thing I love about the CEO again, Paul Campbell, very creative. When we realized we needed to do something for songwriters, because to me, not every songwriter wants to be an artist, but every songwriter would love to have activity, have a career if they could. So... And talking with him early on is like, you know what? We really need something that helps songwriters because songwriters don't all live in a music center. So they can't go get a meeting at a PRO. Um, they certainly can't meet with a publishing company. It's not in their city, right? And, and they certainly can't get with a label either. I mean, you can be in a music center and not have any of those meetings either. But I'm just, <laughs> but, that's true. but that's the big challenge. And I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. So, so where does this bridge, how does this happen anymore if writers are doing their thing, but they can't meet with anybody? And, and these executives, they can't become aware of these people because there's, there's a disconnect. So the amazing songs thing, the, that platform that we're launching is really, it's a business tool. It's a professional tool that allows any songwriter, publishers with songs uncut or whatever, to put their things into this digital space where executives are there to discover writers and discover songs. And it's a bridge, but it also is a shield to protect the industry or they wouldn't do it. So it's, it's an, it's an interesting thing, but I'm saying that goal to, it, can I create a solution? Can we at amazing create a solution for songs, writers of them, publishers of them? Yes, it's done. That's awesome. So as a company, I'm, I'm able to live that out with my colleagues, which is whom I love. So, you know, as far as the steps to do that, I mean, that's launched, really. It's, it's already launched. But on the personal side, 
you probably maybe sense a little bit of this, but I speak in analogies all the time and I've done it for years through the PROs. And it's the only way to explain things to people sometimes. And um, I'm actually wanting to try to get that in a book form. You know, when I tell people, hey, I'm working on a book, they're like, I'm like, no, no, it's not going to be who I've worked with and who and what he or she's like. None of that. It's basically trying to flip the switches on for people so they can see really what the music industry is like, because sometimes the metaphor and analogy is the only way they can understand. And look, we kind of get that from writing songs. Yeah. You know, so on the personal front, I'm trying to do that because again, I think all of our experiences or our insights, yours too, because you've been through a lot of places, people dream they could work, but that experience to share it back that completes why we were blessed with that experience. If I don't share it back, I'm not finished with what that was for. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I need to share, I need to share my two cent vision and tell people get a dollar's worth, but, but here's what I saw, you know, this is my two cents and, and hopefully it helps them formulate their career path because you know what? I had a Billy Sherrill that helped me or Al Gallico or my dad, or you know, I could go through all these people that are just, they were blessings, you know? So yeah. we're just trying to be that to the next, you know, if we can. So that's great. Yeah. I love, I love your passion for, for sharing and giving back because yeah, you, you said it best. It's, you know, you were gifted or anybody was gifted with an experience so that they could share it back and help somebody else. It's amazing. It's great. Insight. Well, I told you at the beginning of this, I love what you do because what you're doing, you're flipping the switches for people. It's giving them this knowledge, this insights, and it's, it's good that you're there. So I appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you. Sure. I, I appreciate that. It's humbling. Uh, before we go, do you want to share, uh, there will be links to amazing and everything. Do you want to share on, on air where people can find amazing radio and, yeah. No, thank you for that. Yeah. If they just go to amazing.radio, that's all you have to type in your browser and you'll go to amazing radio and you'll see the U S feed because you're in the U S if you were in the UK doing that, you would automatically go to the UK feed, but you can choose up at the top if you want to. And once you're in there, if you go down and look at the explore tab, you'll see amazing songs in there too. We're always doing new things with amazing. There's an amazing you know, like now there's the store, you know, where you can go and look up genres and, and you'll discover, I mean, you'll discover every act, you know, under the sun. I mean, every act. World Music Day was a little while back. We thought we'd do something fun for that day. And you know what? There was a hundred countries represented in our programming. It's like, oh my gosh. Nice. Yes. So, um, awesome. but anyways, amazing.radio will take you there. And, and we look forward to the experience you'll have. Awesome. I hope everyone appreciates the the massive insight for independent artists and people early in their career because uh, there was a lot of gems in there people should should reflect on. So this was so this was fun. I could keep going, uh, but I know that you're busy. But uh, I thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much. Travis, fun this for has me. been great for me. I, I love to talk shop, and especially with a bird of the same feather. If we were in the studio, I think it'd be just like this. This was great. Thank you. So that's it for episode 46. Thanks to Shelby for coming on the show and chatting with us. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on Apple and or sharing the show with a friend. Those things will help us grow the show and attract more guests. Also, remember, we do have a Patreon set up for the show now. If you'd like to support the show in that manner, it would be greatly appreciated, but no pressure there. 
And finally, please come over and join us at completeproducer.net. There's a great community over there, so don't miss out on that. And I'll see you next week.